Welcome to the Context Podcast, sponsored by Geist Interactive. I'm your host, Jeremy Brown. As we all know, FileMaker is a vast platform. There are many things for us to know, from functions to script steps to security settings. There's quite a lot. Today, Todd and I sit and talk about the concepts of FileMaker, those large buckets of ideas that give us a complete understanding of the entire platform and give meaning to those steps and functions and settings. We discuss the high-level ideas of the platform and give a few insight into each of those. Understanding concepts of FileMaker will help us make the best decisions when developing and, as an added bonus, help us pass the certification test. The concepts will give us knowledge and point us in the right direction of how we can solve a problem. Hey, Todd, welcome back to the Context Podcast. How are you? Good, Jeremy. How are you doing? Doing good. I haven't, uh, you haven't been around these parts recently. You've been uh, pretty busy, huh? Yep. Yep. Lots of fun <laughs> stuff happening. Yeah, but we've had some really good guests here. I think, uh, you know, people are willing to come on and share their their passion and, and thoughts about FileMaker. So yeah. we, we filled the void pretty easily. <laughs> good. So today's episode is just a really a discussion about FileMaker and about the specific concepts of FileMaker, Todd. So I, this, this, this subject is interesting to me in a, in a lot of reasons. Okay. So, uh, and I want to set this up as a, as the context, I guess, for our discussion and see what you have to add. Number one, I don't feel like I started to pass the test, <laughs> the certification test and do well in my building of custom apps until I understood FileMaker and I understood the buckets of it, the, the concepts of it. It's my personal opinion that people who pass the test have a fundamental understanding of it, uh, of the of the platform, of the different parts of it. You could study for days and days and years and years and never get the exact questions. But if you understand how FileMaker works itself and the, the concepts in FileMaker, you're going to do better at passing the test. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's one thing I think about. Also, when I was a teacher, I taught for 15 years in Minneapolis and in Denver, and I, I, I taught math most of the time. And it occurred to me throughout my teaching career that students need to learn the concepts of math before they get to the particular algorithms. Um, when, I was a, when I was a student, I just learned how to divide, but I really didn't know what it meant. Right. Um, so when I teach my fifth graders or taught them how to divide, we would spend a whole day just taking a bunch of squares and dividing them into equal groups and then talking about what these groups were and how many were left over and, and all of that. It's funny because just a side story, I taught that way in a particular school and I got a little bit of flack for it, um, teaching conceptually first. And then after I left and moved into FileMaker, they chose a learning curriculum that did exactly what I was doing. Mm-hmm. So they, t- they chose a conceptual model of teaching math after I left. So mm-hmm. I knew I was right and I was vindicated <laughs> in the end. But yeah. so, so I want to talk with you about the concepts of FileMaker. Okay? Sure. All right. So the first one <laughs> I think that is on our minds a lot here at Geist Interactive is transactions. Yeah. I think that FileMaker, you've written about this. FileMaker is a transactional system. And so it's important for FileMaker developers to learn the conceptual model of transactions. Yes, for sure. Um, it's 
uh, I mean, it would be nice if we didn't have to, right? It's one of these, it's one of these, what you call implementation details um, that you, you have to know if you want to build a system that works, um, you know, any kind of complex system for sure. You really need to understand it. It would be great if we didn't, you know, if we're just like, would the, the system would just take care of it for us, but frankly it can't. And so it's up to us as developers to understand what transactions are, are for and, and how to write them in FileMaker. That's interesting. You said that it would be nice if we can't, if we didn't yeah. have to. Do other, sure. do other application uh, database systems handle it without a user, no, a developer knowing about it? No, not really. Um, oh. There, there are databases out there that, are, that aren't transactional, and that's by design. So things like MongoDB, um, and others uh, are set up to handle massive quantities of scale or uh, massive quantities of data or unstructured data. And and that's the priority that they that they that they've decided to go with as opposed to transactions. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are systems that there are database systems that aren't transactional, and 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 they're useful in certain scenarios. I mean the the problem with with those databases is that they can be at least at the the very large end they can be what's called eventually consistent, which means when you save something to the database, all of the other connected clients wouldn't would not necessarily get that information that you just saved until some future time. And that time is, is not actually known. So it's called eventual consistency. Eventually all the connected clients would have the same data, but not, not for some period of time. And you can imagine if that's how FileMaker worked, you'd have some problems. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but you know, even FileMaker was not fully transactional or still technically isn't 100% asset transactional, but it's quite close now. But, but before FileMaker 7, it it, uh, it wasn't transactional at all, and there were a number of issues that that I was dealing with at that time because I was helping to work on a on a full accounting system that was written in FileMaker, and it's really when you're dealing with um, accounting, inventory, um, these types of things where where correctness is absolutely essential, and you can't have this model of eventually consistent or this idea that some some things that you try to save to the database aren't actually saved and they're just lost, right? These, these things, those problems um, will, will burn you if you're doing accounting or if you're doing inventory or if you're doing anything really where you're editing uh, or you're having to update several records in, a, in one or more tables in a single logical operation. Mm-hmm. So that shows up. The most common example would be inventory. When you sell something, you need to, um, you need to deduct that amount from the, inv- from the inventory on hand and that might involve saving those changes to many tables in your database, or at least a few. And you can't have a scenario where some of those changes don't go through. And unfortunately, uh, uh, fortunately or unfortunately, I mean, FileMaker does a pretty good job of handling most of the cases where um, developers might need to know something about transactions. Um, but in these cases where you're editing multiple records or in, in even in, in multiple tables, it, it doesn't do that for you. You have to write some extra code to handle that. But like I was, I think you asked earlier, it'd be nice if that went away. Yes, it would. It would be great if, if like you could just say, okay, everything that I'm going to do from now until I say to stop is going to have to be committed all or nothing. Um, and we don't we don't have that script step in file in FileMaker. We don't have a start transaction or an end transaction script step that would make that sort of much easier to do. Other databases that are transactional do. So when you mm-hmm. start editing 
like a MySQL database or a Postgres database or one of those or SQL Server, you have the option of saying, okay, everything that I do from this point forward is going to be inside of a transaction. So you start the transaction, then you make all these changes locally sort of in your in memory. And then at the end of that, you say, okay, I want you to save everything I just did as a single commit to the database. And if any part of it doesn't work, then you have to revert. And so that's basically what a transaction is. And, and you really need to know how to do them if you want to write uh, correct applications in FileMaker, really any database that supports them. Yeah, we've we've written about it, right? I last you wrote a couple years, many years ago now about it, and then I picked up on it and continued with it. So that's an important concept for people to understand. It's not. I don't see it taught very much. I don't see it, you know, in in some in training materials. But it's rather important. You you just mentioned multiple it's, it's, records. It's absolutely essential. I mean, I yeah. I I feel sometimes I feel like uh, I get a little aggravated that it's not included anywhere in the, in the documentation really, or talked about much. It did. There was one point when it got a little bit of, a little bit of, um, of news was when FileMaker Go first came out and there were some real issues with connectivity. Like it was the first version of FileMaker Go and, and, uh, with cellular connections to the database. It cost $20. I remember. Yeah. 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 And, and so there, there was really sort of everybody said, Oh, well, um, this is going to actually disconnect all the time. So we're going to see this problem all the time. And so we better know something about transactions. So okay. that's when um, that's when it got a little bit of buzz. And I think part of the problem with transactions or why they're not – people don't understand much about them or, or run into them is because the bugs that are caused by not doing transactions can be quite subtle and mm-hmm. cannot be visible for months or years. And so they're really insidious because if if your if your script just fails to make an edit to a particular record, you may not know that, and you may not have any checks in place to determine that that was so, and your data is just wrong. And later on, you may discover that, and you go, "Wait a minute, that doesn't add up. Why doesn't that add up? Well, how come I should only have six widgets in inventory, and it says I have twenty? How can that possibly be?" And and so you, you have no idea. There's no way to go back and see when that mistake happened. It just happened, you know, who knows when some set field failed because of a record lock or something like that. And, um, and that was it. You lost some data. It's gone mm-hmm. forever. And so the, the, they're very subtle, um, very uh, easy to miss bugs, uh, or at least they're, they're easy to miss um, until something comes out of balance. And then you're like, well, I don't know what happened. And you just kind of have to start over. So um, they're subtle. They can be uh, very difficult to track down. In fact, you'll never track down exactly what caused the the problems usually. Um, so you just need to write your complex scripts in a transaction, and then you know, then you don't have to worry about that whole class of problems. They just go away. You mentioned um, debugging it and figuring out what what went wrong. Transactions, the way that we build them, and yeah. the way the DB transactions module is set up, is it actually logs everything that happened, right? right. It logs errors. Uh, We have a specific start transaction script. You mentioned that other systems have that. We have a specific end transactions and we have script steps that handle, or well, scripts that handle the whole class of errors that could come up, right? One of the biggest wins that I think we've, we've ever created at Geis Interactive is this, is this concept of a transactional controller file 
where we have our DB, our DB transactions table, and we use that to manage all of our complex scripting. And it turns out to be just um, super useful in so many ways. You, you mentioned the fact that it tracks any errors that have happened during during the transaction. Remember, if an error happens during the transaction, it's it's the way we do it. The whole thing is reverted. So um, so there's no changes to your database, but you still get a log of what the problems were, which can help you um, figure out how to how to how to fix whatever the issue was, um, or just kind of you know do do some kind of forensic analysis on it. But there's all there's a lot of benefits that come from that come from controller the controller file and DB transactions. Okay. Um, one of which is the logging. The other thing I would say about transactional scripting is that once you learn it, once you learn how to write scripts transactionally, whether using DB transactions or or some other method, you like I I wouldn't choose to write a complex script in any other way. And the reason is is not just because it's transaction safe, because it's easier. It's easier to do a lot of complex things. Another way to, to describe what we've done with DB transactions is we have a universal scripting context. So all of our scripts take place on the same layout. They never leave layouts. So you always know the context you're in because you're always in the same context. There's never a need to switch layouts to go to some different context. You're always on the same one. And that just simplifies a whole bunch of issues um, around doing anything complex with FileMaker scripting. So as we're learning, we're going to wrap this one up. We can do a whole other episode out on transactions uh, at a later time and hopefully invite some guests. But this is a vital concept mm -hmm. to learn for FileMaker developers. That's right. Okay. All right. Wonderful. Well, well uh, one, thing, one, one thing I should say, I mean, one of the, so the one last piece on this is the reason that transactions work. Um, and you, you, you wanted, to, you wanted to talk about concepts and, so one of the concepts, the core underlying concepts of FileMaker is, is what um, opens records and what commits records. So that would be my next uh, concept, record, the record life cycle. I think yeah. you and I have kind of created that term or just discovered it. Maybe other people have. But to me, the record life cycle is a key part of whether you're using transactions or not, yep. right? Even just to edit a simple contact record, you need to understand the record lifecycle and FileMaker makes it easy to ignore it, to not consider it, but there's a lot of issues that come up with that. So what do you think about record lifecycle as a concept? It's a good one. You, you really need to understand what will open a record and maybe, you know, the, the reason why that's, there's a number of reasons why that's important. But one of the things is, is that when you, when, when a particular script or a person clicking into a field and typing, um, opens a record, which is one of the ways that that a record is open. It's not available for other things to do it, mm -hmm. so for other things to open it. So another user or another script will fail if it if it tries to access that same record, and that's really important. You wouldn't want to be typing in a field and have somebody else typing in the same field and just overwrite what what you did. That that would be that would be horrible, right? So record locking is is a critical part of this, and it's part of the um, the reason why we we open a record and lock it is so that other other processes or people can't try to open and edit the same record that, that we're on. And so that's opening the record. Really important to understand what opens a record. And then it's really important to understand uh, what commits a record and also what things you can do to kind of to um, to take over the commit process. Like how can you how can you um, deal with deal with wanting to keep a record open until a certain time where you want to commit it. 
I don't see this again. I don't see this talked about a whole lot. Um, I don't, you know, as we talk about these concepts, I, I really wonder why that is. I'm not in any way, you know, saying anything about other people's stuff, but why do you think things like transactions and even record life cycle, they're not presented at the beginning of, of a, of a, of a course on FileMaker? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think at the beginning of a course, if you're a beginner, I probably wouldn't include it in the beginning because these are things that are going to be important um, later on for sure, uh, especially when you get into multi-user scenarios or large system scenarios. That's when these, when these issues are really gonna, are really gonna hit you, um, because you're gonna you're gonna run into stuff really quickly. I remember the first time I had, I learned about record locking, I learned the hard way after building a bunch of systems that I was using that were very complex. And I, for the first time ever, rolled it out to a to a company where there were many people using the system at the same time, and it was completely unusable because because I had record locked everything. Everything was all every, nobody could do anything because everybody was using one record to do edits, and it was a, it was a real challenge. So record locking definitely is something that should come up a little earlier, probably. Yeah. yeah. Um, and understanding why that is and what you know, because you're gonna once you go to multi user, you're gonna hit that scenario really quickly if you if you've chosen certain design patterns so record locking certainly is, is useful to know about early on um, and yep. i think one other thing that's important is that uh m like in the very beginning when i first encountered that my reaction and i think a lot of people's reaction was how do i avoid record locking right avoid record yep. locking at all costs and that was because it seemed to get in the way of what we were doing but it is important to understand that 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 what a record lock does is it make sure that nobody can change the records underneath you as you're typing or editing things, which is really important. So record locking is something that needs to be embraced, not something that needs to be avoided. You need to understand it and, and use it to your advantage. My first time in FileMaker was at my school while I was teaching concepts of math. I was trying to build a system for 100 teachers, and I got into the same issues. I had no idea what yeah. the heck I was doing, and I was learning FileMaker from you know, all of the sources and I didn't know about this. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I would, I would push for this to be right at the top. And what I see in this is that you, you start with the concept and then you get specific in examples and you at the same time can teach different techniques in FileMaker. I personally, if I were designing a system of, of learning, I would start with these concepts and teach the rest of FileMaker the different techniques and functions and buttons and stuff. I would teach them along with the concept, right? Mm -hmm. So that there, that nothing is taught in isolation, that there are, like when we talk about the concept of security, mentioned this hide object when is more security by obscurity, but right. it still can be used, right? right. So, We've got transactions, we've got record lifecycle, and I think uh, we could continue to talk about these forever, but I want to get some more concepts out. Um, you mentioned um, errors. I yeah. think that error trapping <laughs> in our scripting is a big concept that doesn't mm -hmm. get talked about nearly as much. What do you think about error trapping? Yeah, um, it's one of the ways I used to test when I'm looking at hiring people and sending their would ask them to send me a sample of their code, and and uh, oftentimes there would be no no get last error check anywhere in the system. 
And what, what that just, I mean, it, and I, what that just told me is that this person hadn't really developed anything in a, in a, in a, in a, in, a, in, in kind of a large environment or multi-user environment, because you, you have to be able to, you have to do error trapping. Mm-hmm. So understanding again, it's one of these things like when, like when does, when do errors get thrown? Um, how do you respond to errors? What errors are important and what errors are not important? Like there's a couple of errors. One that really annoys me in FileMaker, which is when you get to the end of a, a loop, you, if yep. you're looping and you go to next portal row and there's no more portal rows, you get an error or go to last record, you know, go to next record and there's no more records, you get an error. Those errors aren't really that critical, right? It's like, oh yeah, we're at the end of the record. There's no more records to loop through. So we're just done. We don't really need an error there, but we get one. Um, there's also sometimes like finding finding no records may not necessarily be quote unquote an error. Maybe there's no records that match the found, you know, the query that you put in. So there are there's understanding what are the important records, uh, what are the important errors, when you need to track really critical errors, like getting back to record locking. Like if you're running a yep. script and you want to make sure that you have access to the record, then you want to try to set a field in that record and immediately check get last error. And if it's zero, then you know that you can now safely proceed with editing any other any other fields in that in that record. Um, now I should say that uh, we we didn't cover all the details of the commit uh, of the record lifecycle, but there are some errors. There are some errors that can happen on commits. So you need to know about those and and what those mean. Um, and so all of those things um, kind of you know learning. Learning the record lifecycle, learning error trapping, and you know a few other key concepts. If you understand those, pretty much everything else builds on top of those those key concepts. Yep. So yeah, right. error trapping is is really really important. I had this as a concept. I'll see what you think. Is basically the the idea of scripting in general. Um, yeah, yeah. You you it is because uh, you. <laughs> Every once in a while, occasionally we find somebody who's never, uh, who's maybe bought one of our products and never written a FileMaker script. <laughs> and, um, and that, and that's because the calc engine for FileMaker is so powerful and the relationship engine yep. is so powerful that you can do quite a bit without really doing anything other than just, you know, pr- buttons that go to, go to new layouts and, and print and things like that. You didn't really have to write a script and, and, and going all the way back, uh, a script maker was added, which are their to FileMaker. It wasn't there originally. Um, in fact, I'm pretty sure it used to say ScriptMaker TM, like it was trademarked when they first bought it or when they first got it. I don't know whether they bought it or what, but however it ended up there, it was a new thing. And so you will find people that, that don't do a lot of scripting. So, and um, and yeah, you need to, I mean, if you're going to be serious about FileMaker, you got definitely have to learn how to script. Yeah. And to me, it's not, it's, it's definitely, um, you know, getting a, a task done, like I, we talked about with Big Tom in a previous episode, but it's also learning a, the structure of a, of a script. Basically, some of the, maybe some looping can be brought in there, that whole idea of the, um, you know, the it, well, context will be, we'll save it for another discussion of, of concept. But also to me, the, the biggest part of scripting is that you are controlling everything that happens, right? Yep. Um, and I, I encourage people to prefer, to use a script over a calculation because of the control factor, right? Um, so to me, that's a, a, a big idea behind the scripting 
concept. Yeah, it's also it's also pretty. One of the things that's a really great metaphor to think about in terms of script maker is, um, in most cases, it is. Uh, you can really think of it this way: it's doing the same things that you were doing if you were a person typing and mousing yeah. around. It's just way faster. And so that, if you have that concept in mind for most of the stuff that you do in script maker, um, it really it really help because you it it. it it reminds you that you need to be on a layout because you can't put data in a field or, or view a report or a chart unless you're on a layout. So what layout? So now, you, now you're you're pulled into the concept of context, which is really important. So thinking of script maker as just a really somebody who can type and move the mouse really, really fast is useful. It's not 100% accurate. Actually, it used to be completely accurate. The first version of script maker was really nothing more than that, but it's now moved on a little bit farther. But yeah, it's it's a good thing to think about in terms of concepts and script maker, or, or it's actually not even called script maker anymore, is it? It's called the script workspace. Yeah, you've, yeah, you've been saying script maker. I know it's. I've been saying it for you know twenty years, so it's it's one of these things. It's hard to change, but yeah. Um, okay. You know, I'm going to diverge a minute here and say um, these these concepts of FileMaker have been, a lot of them have been around for quite a while. You mentioned Transactions has been around since FileMaker 7. Mm -hmm. um, I guess Record Lifecycle would kind of be in that same boat. Even earlier, really, uh, okay. all the way back, yeah. So my my thought is a person who is serious about learning FileMaker can focus on the concepts and get a really good understanding even within the first five or 10 years of their their development time? Well, I, I'd like to think it'd be faster than that. <laughs> yeah, okay, two years. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I think I think there's, um, I mean, it's hard. It's, it's it, you know, I, I can I can remember how I learned and, um, you know, I, I don't, it's, well, I remember some of it. It's been quite a while huh, when I learned the concepts, but I definitely, I definitely developed a mental model, which is another way of saying the concepts, the key concepts that, that you have in FileMaker that came from, that came from, you know, learning some of the, some of the discrete script steps and calc engine and things like that. But, um, but once I understood, like once I really, really understood the concept of context and the concept of, of record lifecycle, and and how the security model worked. Once I understood that, then everything else falls into place. Like that, that ends up driving. You know, that makes a lot of decisions for you. And um, and that could so be it could be it could be twenty years of your of your career, or it could be the two years. I it, I'm right now. I'm learning React, the JavaScript library, mm -hmm. and <clears throat> I am trying to study the concepts. It's only been around for what seven, ten years. Less than that. Less, Less than that. And there are people who are just, they have the whole thing in their head. So to me, that shows I don't need 25 years of no. FileMaker experience to understand it. No. I can learn it based on my time that I put into it, right? Yep. Okay. I, I think I think most, I think the advanced concepts take so long to get in FileMaker because um, you don't bump into the problems that they, are, they solve until you're fairly deep into something. Like I, I, I was doing FileMaker for, I don't know, maybe seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years. And uh, when I, but when I went to work at New Millennium, which is um, Danny Mac's company in Boulder, uh, they changed their name. It's, I think it's Codence now just recently. But uh, when I went to work there and, and work on the accounting system, that's when I learned all this stuff. Like you have mm -hmm. to be, if you're in an environment where those problems are, are coming up, then you learn it. 
but um, and back then, remember, we didn't we didn't have we didn't have websites. We had email lists, and um, and that's it. That's how we okay. learned. So, so um, you know, I think you could learn a lot faster if you're working at a place that's doing advanced work. If you're not, it's pretty hard to learn some of these things in the abstract. It takes long. Okay. I, I, that may be true. I'll, I'll yeah. tell you a hundred angry teachers on the first day of school helped me learn a lot. When I, was, <laughs> when I was learning FileMaker though, they're like, I need to get this entered and I can't, but yeah. actually that's an, another point that I've always thought is that because these concepts are known, people like us should bring them out into the open so that people coming to FileMaker now can learn it and don't yeah. have to wait until they may not be lucky enough to get a, a job at an FBA partner, but they can learn the concepts now. They may not have a hundred teachers yelling at them, but they it would be a good idea for them to learn it now and we can help them mm -hmm. learn it now. That's that's the whole reason why we're talking about this today. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I want to get this out there for people to know it and just make it more visible. Evangelize it. That is yep. my role, right? Yep. Yep. <laughs> so, yep. Yep. All right. Let's move on to, um, I'm interested in the concept of data storage slash indexing. I, I'm not sure if indexing is a, I think it's a concept on its own, but I know that it belongs to this whole idea of data storage in general. Mm -hmm. uh, indexing mm -hmm. is an important thing that I, I, I swear I don't, I don't think I fully understand yet. Right. Um, and <laughs> this all came about because FM Perception has an index indicators segment part of it that tells you which fields might be indexed or are indexed, right. which increases the size of your file, yep. right? That's right. So what do you think about data storage and indexing? Indexing is good. Um, it's a good thing to learn. Uh, FileMaker's got a couple of nuances around it in terms of, uh, of text, whether you want um, minimal or not. And um, it's important to understand that indexing is if you're going to be searching on it, you really need fields to be indexed. Otherwise, they're going to be super slow to do finds. Uh, but if you don't need to search on it, and especially if it's a, you know, uh, understanding that that when you index something, you add to the size of the database, and um, so that can be an issue. And also, when you're creating a new record and you're adding a bunch of data to 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 the database, if you're adding a lot of indexed fields, you're gonna it's going to take longer to actually do that. So that so those are where those things come into play. It's like, why is this record taking so long to create? I just, you know, I just said new record. Why does it take five seconds to, to create a new record? And uh, it may be because you have a thousand fields that are indexed on that table. I mean, we don't, we don't see that so much anymore because we've got more capabilities with FileMaker since, since seven. But in the old days, it wasn't uncommon to see databases that had a thousand field tables that had a thousand fields in them. And if you have a thousand fields in there and, and 500 of them are indexed, guess what? That is going to take a long time to to uh, to save that record. And so, it, um, so understanding those kinds of things can be very very helpful for sure. It, and you know, indexes do increase the size of your database, yep. which is not really a problem nowadays. It's not so much the the size of the database; it's just we need to understand what's happening, what FileMaker itself is doing inside of itself with each of those fields and. I don't know. I've never read this. I've never heard anybody say this, but it, it, it occurs to me as developers, if we're doing searches on just random fields to test something out or look up a system, we're, we're accidentally, inadvertently adding to the size of the system. 
That's right. So one of the key things to know about indexing is that is that it's very easy to leave the field set up to be, you know, turn on automatically. And yeah, so you just you just go about doing your stuff and all these fields get indexed. So it's not necessary to index. And so, yeah, it's a a pain to unindex a field, kind of reset it. If you're a developer and we're searching on an address field, which will never be searched for by the user, just as an example, it's a pain to go and unindex that field, right? But I don't know, maybe it's worth thinking about. Anyway, so this concept of indexing and data storage, data storage is important to know too, right? Because isn't it true that FileMaker stores even numbers as text? Yeah, string. Yeah, string, underlying, right? database, underlying data storage is, is all strings. Yeah, so I think those under the hood sessions at DevCon and just learning about data storage to me is a, is a good concept. It's fairly abstract, Yeah, but it still is good to know what's, what, what FileMaker itself is doing under the hood. Where this comes up, where you most commonly have issues with the storage data types is like when you're doing comparisons between, mm-hmm. between uh, things that may be different types of data. And uh, if they are, or if you're if you're seeing them as you know date versus um, text, if you don't uh, uh, make sure that they are going to compare them as dates, and um, then they may you may get different results. So okay. that's that's why the the storage data storage or storage types data types uh-huh. rather is a good way to say it is important. Okay, um, moving on to another concept. This is a really big concept. I've never submitted that any of these are the same size, but yeah. security security is a huge concept in FileMaker that I, I, it was my contention in the episode where I talked with Josh that that should be one of the first things that we teach about because data is important. It, of course, it depends on the severity of your data, but security in general is a great concept to understand from near the beginning. I think one of the reasons why it's it's helpful to to learn it earlier rather than say way way later is that is that it changes some of the things that you do some of the practices exactly. that you do. Yep. So uh, in terms of how you might solve a particular problem with or without yep. security, let's say, yep. um, and if you're if you only know how to solve it without a rigorous security in place, then you're going to get stumped. Um, and this you see this happen when you know late in a project we add uh, add security to it and now a bunch of scripts stop working you know because they because they no longer have access to records they thought they had access to things like that so it's definitely uh definitely important to to um work in in the solutions you're building you know one once you get past just the very simplest examples to have security in place so that you bump into these issues and, and learn how to solve them good all right um and we're gonna just we're gonna stop on that. We've already talked about it a little bit, but um, we can always come back to that. Um, the next one or two, I think these are two separate concepts. Yeah, they are the concept of relationships. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we need to understand that. And to me, the concept of data modeling is different. Yep. Because yeah, so let's let's just talk about those. Let's just start with relationships. What do you think about that as a concept? And, well, and, it's, I mean, it's, it, I mean, FileMaker is a relational database management system. So we need to know that, right? You need to, I mean, it's pretty, it's one of the core concepts that you need to understand. And that includes join tables. It includes the many, many idea and, and join tables. It includes not equal relationships, multiple, what? multiple predicates, multiple um, predicates. Uh, operators, 
um, cascade deletes, you know, all, all the concepts that are in the, in the relationship dialogue, pretty important to understand. It's foundational, um, way early on, you should be learning about that. Um, it could get, it can get complex as you get along further along, you'll discover more complex data modeling, which will change how you might do, do specific relationships, mm -hmm. um, data modeling, um, so data modeling is a generic term that applies to all, well, not even really databases. It's just, a, you know, how do you think about the, the, what's, the, what's the model that you're using to, to model the, the, you know, what's the, uh, what's the, the, it's not really all, it's not math, and although it's backed by, by math. What is the abstract concept that you're using to model something in the real world or, some, or, or even some concept, actually? It's really, uh, isn't it really how two entities are related to each other? Not necessarily. No, it can also be like what fields are in the, in the database. I mean, it's just, okay. it's how do you describe the things that you're going to save um, that, that, uh, that are going to be persisted. So it's, okay. it's the tables that are used, the fields in the tables and the relationships between them all go, all go into the data model. Uh, and that is a that is a concept that is sort of generically shared across all databases to some degree, although some are less strict about it than others. Some don't have relationships, for example. Uh, they don't have the concept of relationships. Somehow, you know, whether it's like a, a some kind of NoSQL database or a graph database, they have different ways of connecting data that is related, but it's not a relationship. So. That concept is a is a broad one, and it means slightly different things depending on the database that you're in. And in terms of FileMaker, it can also it can also get kind of folded into what we call file architecture and graph architecture, or graph design. Yeah. Um, because they kind of overlap. You can't really do one fully without the other. Do but you... those, those those concepts wouldn't have anything that those concepts are part of data modeling and FileMaker, wouldn't really have anything to do with data modeling. Let's say in MySQL. Do you uh, typically do data modeling outside of FileMaker? In a, in a, uh, I usually uh, sketch it first before when I'm thinking about things. Uh, I'm thinking about a new system. I usually always sketch some kind of an ERD. Um, that's where I tend to start. And a FileMaker doesn't, we don't really have ERDs. Um, it's not exactly the way that the relationship graphs work. Although our preferred way of building complex solutions where we have a separate data file, that data files graph can look and be similar to an ERD, but it's not. There, There is a, uh, an ERD means entity relationship diagram. And there is actually a formal definition of what that is and, and, and um, uh, you know, uh, different characteristics it has to have. And you can't really, you don't really get to do that in FileMaker in terms of the relationship graph. But if you have a separate data file and there's nothing else going on there, you don't have scripts or layouts that are uh, scripts or user layouts that are in that in that file, then your data file relationship graph tends to be the most similar to an ERD. Yeah. Okay. Uh, wonderful. Uh, how about this? This is an interesting idea of, of a of a concept. Um, but calculations. Yeah. Very, very, very important. Very important. Yeah. And and understanding what calcs calc engine so so calc engine is one of the one of the great things that that that, that filemaker has, even even in fields where we don't use it as much as we used to, but in scripts certainly and in fields as well. But it's um, it's the the differences between say what a calc is and what a script you know yep. is are 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 um, can be subtle in some ways. I mean, for example, one of the things that I think is not appreciated or not thought about too much or talked about is that without a plugin, you cannot change data with a calculation. There's no way to, 
there's no way to modify database, um, you know, data in a day in the database with a calculation. And that is very much on purpose. That's a very, uh, a very important part of the limitations of calculations. So what that means is uh, if there's no changes that can be made to the, to the, uh, to the database, like in other words, a, a calc field will update. So that's changing, but it's not actually changing the data that's stored in the field. Um, really like it does, it's not going to change another field. Like if you have a, if you have a, a calc field that puts first name and last name together, it can't, there's no way for it to change the value stored in any other field in any other record. And that, that's really important. It makes it very, very, very predictable. Okay. Um, so scripts are how we change data and calcs are more how we can read data in interesting ways. So in, and calculations, I think people need to understand calculations we have less control over than we do a script. That's right? true. That's true. Yeah. Calcs are going to calcs are going to get triggered and fire um, in ways that um, often usually are exactly the way that we want. So going back to that that example of first name and last name together as full name, when those update, that is pretty much exactly what we want. I mean, that's perfect, right? To change the first name, the calc field update. That's perfect. But um, if you have a large unstored, um, if you have a if you have an unstored calc that is calculating data over thousands of related records, um, it's going to slow your system down, and it will do it in ways that you can't predict. Yep. Um, well, I shouldn't say you can't predict because you can. You definitely know if you go to a layout that's got a a calc like that exposed on the layout, it's gonna it's gonna run. But there's nothing you can do to stop that calc from running. Once it gets triggered, it's gonna run. When I was doing my FileMaker thing at the school, I learned about calculations and thought they were great because yeah. they were able to do a bunch of things for me I didn't have to worry about, right? And then I <laughs> I joined the professional FileMaker world and I was like, whoa, I don't want to use any calculations. I'm going to script everything because that's, yeah. that's kind of how I learned. So I went- Yeah, yeah it's one of the things It's one of the things that takes you to, cal takes you to, takes you to transactions because the good thing about calculations is they're always they're always correct. Right. So if yeah. you if you want to know how many how many things are in your how many widgets are in your inventory, um, you know, if you look at all the related records of all the purchases in and out and everything in your system, it will tell you the exact right number. And there's nothing you have to do to get it. It just make the calc and it will just work. Nothing you have to do to update it will just always be accurate. However, it'll also always be really slow. And if there's a lot of records in your database, eventually it will become unusable. So um, you have to you have to trade off the convenience of a calculation being always correct without you having to update it um, for the speed improvement of using a script step to set the data to update it and then using transactions to make sure that that's always done correctly. Good. All right. Um, next, I got a few more concepts left, about four or five, and then we'll see if I missed any. The next one is uh, inputting data. So the concept of adding data to the, to the system, um, there's a lot of ways. It kind of goes with the record lifecycle, but there are ways to get data into your system. What do you think of that as a um, concept? Yeah, I, you know, I haven't actually thought about that, but it's actually, I mean, I haven't thought about it specifically, but I do definitely know all the ways that data gets in. It's kind of something you have to, you have to yeah. know. So in all the different ways that, you know, imports can happen, AppleScript, um, 
uh, even data APIs, right? Um, things that can uh, expose your data externally. These are all really important. What things, how, what are all the ways in which records can be changed in this system? And to me, this kind of gets into the idea of also of, of developing a user interface. So I guess yeah. at this concept idea, when we get to this concept in you know week seven or week two, whatever, <laughs> we also learn about how to design a layout and we work on maybe some 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 um, design ideas, some you know, some consistency, some theming kind of things. But the idea is that we we give users a, a way to input the data. We talk about um, everything that's, that goes on with this layout, you know, the record locking and all that, but that's kind of where I, my head was thinking when I was talking, when I put this concept out there. Yeah, I would, I, I don't, I think, I think there's a, there's, I mean, I, I would call that like user interface design. Right? User interface. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It, it, Cause I think it's kind of more, kind of more what it is, um, but there is, I, I think it is important to understand how data can change in your system. I don't think. I don't think that it, unless you've thought about it, um, you know, might not be clear to you on the different ways in which things can get can get changed, and that can be very useful, especially when it comes to security or for debugging, things like that. And this gets into the although it touches on it in relationships, but it touches on the it, this gets into the normalization idea, making sure that you know you're not having field one, field two, field three, but you're putting the data in the proper place. So. Yeah, so that's so so that would be the concept of denormalization or normalization, sort of normalization versus denormalization, and also the idea of of designing a layout for input as opposed, um, in contrast to designing a layout for storage. And in the early days, those are the same pretty much. You're gonna, you know, your your contact um, layout is going to have the the for people to edit is gonna basically have the fields that you want to be changed on there. But when you get into more complex data modeling, um, there are join tables and things that are never seen by the user. They just never, they're never on the layout. So how those get populated, um, yep. you know, is, is, is pretty important. And okay. You, it's funny how I didn't give you these concepts in advance, but you mm. are leading right into my next one, which would be reporting on data, right? Yeah. Or the possibly denormalization, uh, a very wise, yeah. Filemaker developer said, "Normalization is great for inputting data. It's horrible for reporting on data." Yeah, it can be very bad, um, and because it can be really, really slow. Um, but reporting, I think, is is I see it in the forums a lot. How do I build this report yeah. that shows this? So to me, that is a concept that because it, it's it's completely different than inputting data or it can or, be yeah, and, and yeah. it can be very different. And sometimes you have to write, you have to do. Um, Virtual lists, yeah, or virtual lists, or you have to have reporting files that import a bunch of data from a whole bunch of different places so that you can create the kind of report that you need. Yep. So it's this idea of building a report that is that, um, and it, you may not be able to do it on the same, the, you may not be able to use this, the, the data model that you have in place for storage. Um, and it just won't work because maybe the data has to come from many different places. Sometimes that means that you can change your data model and you can you can improve it by um, um, you know adding um, adding other kinds of entities to it. But oftentimes, no. The, it actually you just what you want to do is make is is use virtual lists or some kind of virtual reporting technique to make the report and just leave your data model alone for the for everything else. 
Yep. All right. Um, we mentioned this already, but APIs is yeah. a huge concept in yeah. FileMaker nowadays, right? Yeah. I mean, I think it's one that's creeping up on people. I'm beginning to see it. Uh, I mean, not just, so I think people are understanding like connecting to other APIs and, you know, um, that's clearly what you're doing today. If you're building information systems, I mean, I, I can't remember the last system we worked on that didn't connect to some API. It just doesn't, it's just, just not how things go anymore. Um, so, uh, so there's definitely that external APIs, but there's also this idea that we use, and it goes along with our controller file and our transactional model is that we write our, our scripts as APIs. So, um, our, our complex scripts take a JSON payload and return a JSON payload with either a result or an error in it. And so that is, that is taking the API concept and bringing it right into your FileMaker system so that um, you're exposing your logic, your complex logic, uh, scripting logic, to your FileMaker system or, or maybe a new FileMaker, a different FileMaker system, maybe one that was invented or when you started out, but now it needs to use that same API um, or to other applications like web applications that are connecting to your FileMaker system and they're able to run that that same script to get that same bit of logic. Uh, so it's a way of, it's a way of consolidating your logic into, uh, into a, a single script or at least a single front script that, that takes that request and says like, Hey, post this invoice to inventory. And, um, and then it takes a little bit of JSON and, and responds back with, with, yep, that worked or no, it didn't. And um, then the, the, then the UI can, can deal with it. So the concept behind this, the ideas, the specific instances would be not only connecting to APIs, which is a is a idea in itself that I've had to wrap my head around in the past year and a half, but also building scripting to model that idea, the API. Those are the two that you see we do yep. here and and others do as well. Yep, so. and and you know the the I mean we've I've been doing this that that way for a for a long time, but it's only been since sixteen that this got really simple to do. It was much harder in the past for a num for a couple of reasons. The biggest one being, uh, I should say it was harder, but it was, it was harder to share because every, there was no, we didn't have JSON. So people were passing data around in their own structures. And it was just, I called it the custom function wars. It went on for like, I don't know, it felt like 10 years. Everybody had their own way of passing parameters around and it was just, it was so annoying, but that all went away with 16 and we got JSON. So now we have this shared way of passing data around and that makes APIs, that makes, that makes writing APIs internally in FileMaker uh, just a much easier thing to do because you no longer have to worry about whether or not somebody has your particular uh, custom functions in place to use your API script. I don't know if the custom function wars went away in 16, but they, <laughs> there are still a way around. They went, I mean, I never, I mean, I don't, maybe people are still fighting them, but I, I don't know. There's not much of a reason to anymore. JSON is the way that we have natively to pass data around and not only around FileMaker apps, but to other applications. It's the way the whole world passes data around is through JSON. So um, I don't know if people are still fighting over custom functions to use for passing data around. I, I honestly don't know why um, that, that war, that fight, that question has been answered and, um, and we can, we can move on and fight other battles now. <laughs> Okay, how about here's the the next one? Um, web widgets, web viewer widgets. Yeah. Do you think that's a concept in itself that? Yeah. It's, in my mind, it's becoming more and more important to learn. Yeah. Right. Go ahead and talk to you about that. Well, so I mean, 
we've been trying to build WebViewer widgets for 10 years. Um, it's really only become possible to do at any complexity within the last few years. And it's gonna, it's getting super, um, I shouldn't use the word easy because it's still, I mean, writing a WebViewer widget is, you're now talking about HTML, JavaScript, and CSS. We're going outside of, you know, your standard FileMaker, um, your old school file, I shouldn't say old school, sort of idiomatic FileMaker. Right. And you're going to have to do you're doing something that's got a whole new paradigm, whole new set of concepts. Um, so it's definitely um, it's definitely uh, a, a new endeavor to go into writing your own to learning how to write JavaScript widgets. But what's easier and getting easier um, all the time is the ability to use JavaScript widgets that have been created by other people. And so what you're going to see, and it's already beginning and it's going to just take off in the, in the coming years, is that, is that um, pretty much anybody using FileMaker um, is going to be using WebViewer widgets. Uh, uh, they're going to be using ones that, that um, are shipped by other people or maybe even FileMaker or Claris, I should say, themselves. Uh, because it, they, they're going to get easy enough to use. They're going to provide value that you can't easily get or maybe you can't get at all with FileMaker. So... Okay. Understanding what WebViewer widgets bring, like in terms of the broad, you know, whether or not you want to build them yourself is a separate question. But understanding that what WebViewer widgets allow you to do is, is, is if if it, uh, it allows people to make user interface widgets that you can't do in FileMaker, that just aren't possible. The tools aren't there, so you can use HTML, JavaScript, and CSS to do it. And if they're done really well, you don't have to know how to do any of that HTML, JavaScript, and CSS to use the widgets once they're done. They're kind of, they become almost like plugins. Not exactly, but we're getting to that point. So um, yeah, it, it means that pretty much anything is possible in the interface world. Um, and uh, you just have to go out and either find somebody who can do it or has already done it or do it yourself. But it can be done. No longer are there like, sorry, there just isn't a way to do that, you know? Sorry, there's no way to have a drag and drop Kanban board um, in in FileMaker. It's like, nope, actually there is. <laughs> we can do it. So yeah, that's why I brought it into the concepts list along with security and record lifecycle because it's it's becoming a bigger part of custom app development. I think Carson Landon in a previous episode said people expect custom apps that are like intuitive and interactive and kind of got some, you know, some, maybe some easing in them, some animations, you know, people want to see that kind of stuff. So. Yeah. And, and, and I think even to step back and take it one step, maybe lower is the way to say it is that JavaScript um, web viewer widgets and JavaScript in particular is really the, is now the, uh, it's funny it's now the only way to extend FileMaker across the entire platform. You used to be able to say plugins, but plugins are not supported on FileMaker Cloud V2, and they may never be. So if you want to extend FileMaker in any way um, in a, that will be embedded inside the app, your only way to do it across the entire platform is through JavaScript, is through nice. HTML, JavaScript, CSS widgets. That's it. So it is, you know, the concept of extension. How do I extend FileMaker beyond what it does and what it does sort of out of the box. How do I do it? Um, we used to have plugins and we still do. They're still very useful on the desktop and, and even in Go if you want to make an SDK app. Um, but they're no longer uh, across the whole platform anymore. 
All so right. um, if you want to extend, web your widgets are the way to do it. Uh, one more, and then we'll go um, um, sharing the file. I feel like that's a, a big concept that, you know, we need to understand how to get this to multi-users, right? Yeah. It's pretty simple. I mean, put it on a server, right? <laughs> but yeah. um, sometimes servers can be a little challenging for folks just exactly. starting out. Um, exactly. We now have the, you know, the easier way to do it with, with FileMaker Cloud V2. Um, but, uh, you know, if if you're starting out, you really, it's helpful to actually be doing your development on a server as soon as you can, uh, because there's, that is the deployment environment. So you run into issues on a server, you won't hit when you're running on uh Locally, another one might be performance. For example, some things will be much faster locally than they will be on a server, and you really would want to know that as soon as possible. Yep. So, uh, so yeah, get it on a server. You also get free backups. You get a lot of things, not free, but you can set up backups really easily and easy to share things like that. So these are the concepts of FileMaker that I see. I don't know if I missed any. Do you? And we're coming up on an hour here, but can you think of any things that? Any part of the platform, any concepts that I didn't mention today? Well, one I think um, was probably sh should mention is custom functions. Um, okay. They're, uh, they're, you know, especially, um, you know, now we, well, I guess it used to be the only way that, that, that we could do recursion inside of Calc Engines. Now we have the while, uh, uh, the while function. So that's a little bit different now. But I think custom functions are a good thing to understand. Um, because they do allow you to do some things that are quite challenging to do otherwise. So the ability to, to, to create a little sort of piece of, of pre-built calc, complex calculation, and then reference it in an easy, easier way, it kind of gets into this idea of hiding complexity somewhat. You have this very complicated calc you're going to use all over the place. It might make a lot of sense to make it a custom function. Now, you have nice. to be careful um, to rely too much on custom functions because they can be a little bit of a challenge if you're moving code around a lot, but I think it's it's definitely worth learning um, pretty early on what custom functions can do. At the very least, so that you don't when you see something and there's no there's no help <laughs> there's no help entry for it. You you know what it is and you know where you can go and look for it. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's see what else. Um, well, I mean, context is is a pretty central one. We've talked about that a little bit on this podcast, but I think it's. It's worth just mentioning as a key concept that FileMaker uh, um, is, you know, the understanding context, what it give, what it brings you, and what its limitations are is are pretty important. So yeah, you definitely have to understand the context, the the concept of context. All right. Well, um, this is not an exhaustive list, and yeah. I really would like to hear more concepts out that are out there that we didn't mention today. But it's my it's my contention, it's my belief that if we as developers focus on these concepts, not only will we learn the entirety of the platform, but we'll learn it in a meaningful way. We'll learn more of the functions, we'll learn more of the, um, of the, script, of the security options if we are doing it within the context of their concepts. Uh, and you'll pass the test, <laughs> more likely to pass the test. If you, I mean, today, Todd, you saw this, but we had a, a ticket that come in that asked if, if I have a web viewer on a layout and I need to create a bunch of records right now, the, the person was saying, every time I go create the records, 
I reset the web viewer yes, and right. it resets the timer. And he asked the magic key method or the transaction method, is that going to solve this problem? And I didn't actually know the exact answer, but I knew what context meant and I knew what transactions mean. Yeah. And I could answer him with authority. I did test it <laughs> to make sure, but that's the point of, of understanding FileMaker is to be knowledgeable about it and be able to help people and know the reasonable solution or answer to a question. Yeah, usually what knowing these concepts, what they do is they give you um, they give you the direction to go look and try things out, right? So you understood about you understood about creating records through a relationship um, because you knew about transactions, you knew about how that how the record lifecycle and record locking and record opening worked. So you're able to think, hmm, I think this might work, right? And so you're able to narrow down this, the potential solutions from essentially infinite to a small set. And that's really what programming, um, moving, moving programs for, uh, forward is all about. You can, I mean, there's, there's always, you know, unlimited things you can try, but we don't have unlimited time. So we have to, we have to narrow that solution space down to just a few and pick from yep. those and understanding the concepts will help you narrow those down, narrow the potential solutions down quite a bit. Exactly. So, if I were designing a FileMaker curriculum, this is how I would go about it. I would make sure that every part of the platform got addressed, but that we 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 wrap every part of the platform in a meaningful concept. So, um, yeah, that's just uh, what I. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, Todd. I've, I'm glad you didn't disagree with any of my concepts because, uh, or at least, you know, the users don't, the, the listeners don't know because I probably cut those out if you disagreed with me on something. But um, we'll have to we'll have to continue this conversation and talk more in depth sure. about uh, all any of these concepts and so forth. And then I, in a future episode, I want to talk with you about what should I learn. You know, like you and me had a conversation a couple of weeks ago about XML and I asked, should I be learning that? And so that might be an interesting time too, to talk about what should I learn here in 2019 and in the future, what should I focus my attention on? Right. So, sure. All right. Well, thank you, Todd. Appreciate right. your time. Thanks, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Right. Bye-bye now. See you, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Context Podcast sponsored by Geist Interactive. We hope you enjoyed it. We are grateful to the wonderful guests who give us their time to talk FileMaker, technologies outside of FileMaker, and the FileMaker community. You can find the Context Podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast episodes. Please give us a rating and a review. Your thoughts make the podcast more visible, and we are always interested in what you have to say. Talk with you next week.